Anatole Kaletsky, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today at the New Economic Thinking Conference. You have indeed uh, moderated and chaired a, a session uh, this morning. Are we moving towards a new economics? I think we have to move towards a new economics because we're in, I think what is clear is we're in a period of transition to an entirely new global economic system, if you like, a new version of the capitalist system. And for that to be possible, there's got to be a new economics to describe how it works. Uh, The way I see it is that we're going through a period of transition now, comparable to what happened in the 1970s when Thatcherism, market fundamentalism came along, and in the 1930s when Keynesian economics had to be developed to cope with the uh, new conditions of that time. I think we're going through a similar transition now. Uh, The relationship between the market and the government between economics and politics, I think, is going to fundamentally change as a result of what's happened in the last few years. Uh, And new ways of looking at economic theory are going to be needed to try to understand that. Indeed, you talked about moving towards economics 4.0 in a way, and and the deficiency of ideas. Yes, well, uh, I'm calling this phase capitalism 4.0. I'm writing a book about it, which is being published uh, in a couple of months' time. Uh, And I think, well, in a sense, there's not a deficiency of either. There are many, many ideas out there, some of them harking back to the way people thought uh, 30, 40, 70 years ago. Uh, I think we're we're looking at a uh, re-establishment of Keynesian economics, also to some extent Austrian economics, which was very powerful in the 1920s. 20s and 30s. That's what the discussion on Keynes and Hayek on the first night of the conference was about. Uh, What happened in the last 30 years, though, is that although there are many economic ideas out there, almost all of them were excluded from what was considered to be the canon of acceptable established academic economics. Uh, And we had really a monopolistic situation developing, which again I think is rather ironic given that economists believe in competition. Uh, The one field in which particularly very pro-market economists didn't believe in competition was in economic theory itself. So you had this very monopolistic situation develop with uh, rational expectations uh, in economic theory and efficient markets or various slight modifications on efficient markets uh, being uh, uh, imposed, if you like, on financial economics and anything that wasn't operating within those paradigms or quite close to those paradigms was not regarded as legitimate, serious, uh, academically respectable economics. And we've heard one after another these very, very distinguished speakers here, including people who've won Nobel, Nobel Prizes and so on, saying... I haven't been able to operate with my ideas for the last 20 or 30 years within the established economic, uh, academic community. There's quite a lot Uh, of feeling about that, strong feeling. No, I think there is, because there's a great deal of uh, resentment, both uh, at a personal level and at an intellectual level. But as we all know... uh, Politics, academic politics, is, is, a, is a very powerful force and one that uh, is often uh, conducted in a rather sort of intense personal way. And I think there's been a lot of that kind of academic politics over the last 30 years in economics. Uh, 
really directed towards maintaining this intellectual monopoly the, the, that I'm talking about, uh, and, I th and I think that's breaking down. Now, of course, that's also had uh, a, a broader political, if you like, ideological element in, to it in the sense that for the last 20 or 30 years, uh, the rational expectations, efficient market paradigm has worked uh, hand in glove with the uh, changes in, in politics in most capitalist societies uh, to create this uh, environment of what George Soros has called market fundamentalism, where the market is always right. And the reason that that's such a valuable uh, economic theory, not just to the theoreticians, but more broadly, is because if the market is always right, then whatever the market produces is right, the salaries the market produces, the income distribution the market produces, uh, the unemployment the market produces must be always right and must be acceptable. And that, of course, were, you know, was a very politically powerful doctrine from the early 80s onwards. So what the commentators are, are also in agreement about, it's actually we're not through this global financial crisis, that there could be more to come. And there's a great deal of concern about the Greek currency, uh, about paying off of debts, that the third world will be better placed than Western worlds because it doesn't have as much debt. You know, there's a lot of trouble ahead. Yeah, well, here I think we're, we're, there's a fairly wide divergence of views. I think not so much about amongst individuals, although there's that as well, but about different parts of the world, as you say. Uh, I would say that the, the main feeling I'm picking up here about the American economy is that the American economy, where, of course, the trouble started, probably is now emerging from recession. And Jeremy Siegel uh, expressed great confidence that it's emerging from recession. Some are more skeptical, saying, well, maybe there'll be uh, a, a temporary recovery followed by a long flat period, as in Japan. But the worst is over for the United States. I think that's a fair, uh, fair consensus. I think there's a very strong consensus that for emerging markets, not just China, most emerging markets uh, in, in most parts of the world, uh, not only is the worst over, but they're now in a, a pretty strong growth phase, which, of course, was one of the things that drove this whole boom over the last 20 years. Uh, I think the uh, focus of concern now is in Europe, to some extent in Britain, but I think even more in continental Europe. Uh, and, of course, you know, the Greek story is what's dominating the headlines, but I think it's a broader issue than that. It's really about whether the eurozone as a single currency zone is not so much can it hold together, uh, but is it so far from being an optimal currency area that it's going to impose serious macroeconomic costs on eurozone economies to try and keep it together. Uh, so I'd say that's where, if there is going to be another shoe to drop in this crisis, it's going to be in the eurozone, not in the United States. And do you think economics perhaps is an art, not a science? People have dwelled on that, the mathematical models, the way forward, and, and the way to make those models more realistic. Yeah, well, one, one of the points on which uh, I think there's a lot of discussion, and I, I certainly very much sympathize with, is that uh, it's not so much whether economics is an art or a science, but it's the question of whether you can combine elements of scientific uh, procedure and mathematical models uh, with 
history, psychology, sociology, things that are, not, that are by their nature not quantifiable, and whether you can combine them into a single discipline where the two sides, the humanities, if you like, and the sciences, reinforce one another. That's very much, I think, uh, that's a view I hold, that most of the people here hold. I think that is a large part of the idea behind INET, is to turn economics back into an interdisciplinary study of political and social organizations as they actually exist, rather than, as George Soros said, axiomatic models similar to uh, Euclidean geometry. So that, I think, is what everybody here would like to do. But that's also the issue probably on which I've heard the most academic resentment, if you like. There are some brilliant... uh, historians of ideas here. There are some brilliant sociologists, uh, historians here, uh, and who are saying one after the other, there is no room for the kind, kind of work that I have been doing in any economics faculty in any major university in the world. And that is a sort of shocking indictment, I think, of economics. One of the specific points made uh, by Robert Skidelsky, I, I think, last night was that uh, there is no uh, economics department anywhere in the world anymore that teaches the history of economics as part, as part of the discipline, that, which is absurd. That's the great achievement of this conference, because for the first time, economics has been a discipline for, what, 200 years, mm-hmm. and people from the different branches, from the history, uh, from, from the uh, practitioners mm-hmm. to the theoreticians, they're here together. Well, uh, I think it's the great, I, I would hesitate to say it's the great achievement of this conference. It's certainly the ambition uh, of this whole process is that this conference might launch a process which in time will bring all these people together because obviously it's easy to invite people to a three-day conference in a lovely place uh, like King's, uh, you know, especially on a weekend like this. doesn't mean anything will have been achieved, uh, but the hope is that this is the beginning of a process. And, and just finally, are you optimistic as we go forward, are you optimistic that, that actually economics can ad- adapt, that, that it can cope with the challenge? that faces the global financial world? Uh, personally, I am fairly confident of that, both that economics uh, as an academic discipline can reinvent itself into something that is, again, interesting and productive because, after all, you know, people like Keynes, Adam Smith, who today, incidentally, would not be regarded as economists. None of the, you know, there is no way that Keynes would have got a job in any economics department in the, uh, in the, in the world today. But they were economists, and they did produce brilliant and interesting ideas about the, the way the world works. So I'm confident that economics can be rebuilt. And also, I'm fairly confident that economics does have useful things to say uh, about how to try to manage the world and make it a somewhat better place. Uh, as long as it is prepared to have a competition of ideas and also an evolution of ideas. And so we recognize that the ideas that might be most useful in the 2010s will not be the ones that were most useful in the 1980s, nor the ones in the 1930s. They need to evolve and adapt. And and crisis, what crisis? uh, Are we through it? How far through it? Well, I think the worst of the crisis uh, is over in the United States. Personally, I think it's also over in Britain, uh, largely because, as Jeremy Siegel was saying in the the last talk, actually macroeconomics has worked pretty well in the last two years. It it was hopelessly bad for the previous five to ten years, and one could argue that the crisis was created by a failure of macroeconomics. But actually, the response to the crisis 
basically tore up everything that macroeconomics has been teaching the last 20 years, went back both to Keynes and to Friedman, incidentally, and they did everything Keynes said, government spending and so on, everything Friedman said, print lots and lots of money, and it does seem to be working. So uh, I think in the US and UK and emerging markets, it probably is over. The worst is over. Uh, I think the Eurozone is a, a bigger problem. And finally, that book, uh, Capitalism 4.0, when is it going to be on the shelves? Uh, it, it's coming out in June. Congratulations. I look forward to reading it. And Anatol Kaletsky, thank you very much indeed for talking with the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today at the new Economics Conference. Thank you.